could tell of the story when the thousands were fed, when he lifted the sick, when he raised up the dead. I could sing of the others like the blind made to see, but I'd rather tell you what's happened to me.
of Psalms. Psalm 14 is where we're going to look for just a little while uh, this morning. I could not get away from, from this thought for this hour. You know, I don't ever know what, what the needs are of, of necessarily of every individual that comes into the church building. But God certainly does. And uh, God sure did burn this on my heart. I could not get away from it. I want to go back and, and preach some more on David. And also I wanted to continue on with some of what we sort of started uh, for left dealing with, was, of course, church membership and different things, and I uh, dealt with a couple messages out of the book of Acts, but the Lord would not give me freedom to do that. So Psalm 14 is where we're going to be looking. I do have one verse that I'm going to read before I even get to Psalm 14, just sort of set the stage for the message in the hour. You know, I love the book of Daniel. I'll be in Psalm 14, so you just bear with me a second. The book of Daniel, of course, in, in the Old Testament, a lot of prophetic uh, symbols and a lot of wording uh, that was prophetic in the book of Daniel. By the way, you can't unlock the book of Revelation without the book of Daniel, and you cannot unlock the book of Daniel without the book of Revelation. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. You've heard me say that multiple times, and that's true. Uh, the Word of God will unlock some things in the New Testament that, that you didn't see in the Old and vice versa. Uh, so, But I'm thankful when, when God gave Daniel a message and Daniel chapter number 12, and what he was talking about is still yet future from our day in 2023. Now think about it, and I'm thankful for our veterans. Of course, this Veterans Day weekend, we appreciate for the freedom that we have here in America. But you know, America's not that old. It's not that old at all. And um, most time, world powers only last several centuries. And uh, so when you think about this, back in the early 1900s, and uh, most of us, none of us can, can relate. The few might be close, but uh, nobody can relate back to the early 1900s. But in the 1900s, the main avenue of travel was horse and carriage. That's pretty much it. And that was 123 years ago in 1900, Brother Harold. 1900, uh, 123 years ago, that was the main means of travel was horse and carriage. And also they had ocean liners and trains were, were pretty big in 1923. But most homes didn't have any automobiles. Well, look how we have advanced today. Uh, in 2023, man, we went through the, through the gasoline engine, diesel engine. Now everybody wants to go to electric. But what people don't realize, man, when that electric tires up, you're talking about some expensive stuff. It's, I hate to get on all that, but it's just a fact. It's the truth. But think about the technology. Think about the advancement in medication and in, in, in health care uh, means of communication. There was no such thing as a phone uh, back then, a landline, much less cell phones that you can fit in the palm of your hand, even on a watch now. Think about how knowledge has increased. Well, that shouldn't take uh, the Bible student by surprise or somebody that understands the Bible because God had foretold and prophesied of these hours many years before by the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 12, of course, still speaking of future days from 2023. But listen to what God told Daniel. And Daniel chapter, I'm coming to Psalm 14. Daniel 12, verse number 4. God told Daniel, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. In other words, God had, had given him a vision of some future events, what was going to take place. He said, shut the book and seal it up, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Now, that, that, that's, just, that's more up to date than our newspaper. That knowledge shall be increased in the latter days. The Apostle Paul 
talked about the last days. And, and of course, we certainly are living in the last of the last days. We still don't know. No man knows the day or the hour when Jesus is going to return. But he's still going to return. But we know by, by the word of God that when you get close to the end, knowledge is going to continue to increase. But I want to tell you this. I've been soon graduated 30 years from high school coming up next year. And I can't believe that went by in a hurry. And my brother Harold, I remember when I was in school, I never... I, I think about some of, the, some of the vilest and some of the meanest kids that we had in school. I never remember ever hearing a conversation where they doubted the existence of God. But today, it's on ever. I mean, you'll see it on billboards. You'll see it on television screens. You'll hear politicians talk about it, about there is no God. And think about the advancement of knowledge and wisdom that, that we've developed even in the last few years uh, since 1900. Think about in the last hundred years how knowledge has increased yet most individuals, I'm talking about by and large as a country, we hadn't got closer to God, we've got further away. Well, you know the Bible gives the answer to that in Psalm 14. And that's where I want to draw your attention to one simple verse, this verse number 1. Notice what the Bible said, Psalm 14 and verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Well, what's the results of an individual that says there's no God? We don't believe the existence of God. We don't believe any of that. What's the results of, of a mentality and a thinking process of an individual that says there is no God? You don't have to speculate. You don't have to wonder. Just read on right here as we continue on to verse 1. And the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. What's the results of that? They're corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Let's pray. Father, as I bow in your praise of God again this morning, Lord, I love you. Lord, it's so good to be back in your house today amongst your people. And God, to hear the songs of Zion and Lord, to hear the word of God taught and preached and proclaimed. God, I pray that you'd help this feeble preacher now for the next few minutes, Lord, to expound upon the truth that you placed upon our heart for this hour. I pray that you'd arrest hearts. Lord, my words will never penetrate the hearts of the people. I know the convicting power of the Holy Spirit as you use your word. I pray that it have rain full course in this service today. I confess every sin. I confess my faults. Lord, I pray that Jesus would be increased now. Lord, help me to decrease. And we'll be careful to give you thanks and praise for what you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people see him. Amen. We read this text out of Psalm 14, very simple text. But when you think about what Daniel, what God told Daniel, and Daniel chapter number 12, he said there'd come a time when people run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. None of us, I don't believe, would doubt the fact of how health care and technology has advanced, yet the moral decline and decay is certainly vividly seen. We just seen uh, here this past week, we were in Ohio, and of course they had these elections and different things, and, and we're going in the polar opposite direction of what God wants us to do when you think about the abortion uh, industry and how they voted on that to, to protect a woman's rights. Well, what about the rights of that unborn child? And you think about this, a lot of folks say, well, when, when does life begin? It begins at conception, man, and that's where it begins. And when you think about that and you think about the moral fabric and the decay of our country in which we're in, and, and please, listen, I don't want to go anywhere else other than the United States of America. I love here, don't want to live anywhere else, but how in the world can we ask God to bless America when the bulk and the majority of Americans have turned their back on, on God himself, and many doubt the existence of God at all. 
Now, there's three questions that every one of us in this building, and there's more, but there's three, brother, that, brother Ed, that we better be able to answer before we leave this world. Because the Bible said, and you know, you think about that, you'll see the who, you'll see the where, and you'll see the what in Psalm 14. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, you see the who. Who's the who? The fool. That, we get our Greek word, uh, the Greek word moros. We get our English word moron from that word. Fool. We really do. The fool. That's who has said where? In his heart, not in his head. Oh, there's a lot of folks got a knowledge of God in their head, but not in their heart. The fool, that's who has said where? In his heart that there is no God. That's the what? Basically, that fool, that person that says, hey, there is no God. They don't say it in their head. They say it in their heart. They might not say it verbally, but by the way they live, by their actions, by their behavior, they, they declare that there is no God. And boy, that's a sad shape to be in. But I'm here to tell you on the authority of the Word of God, not just the Word of God. All you got to do is look at creation, man. It'd take a moros, a moron, a foolish individual, as God has said, to look around just at creation and deny the existence of a creator. Because there was a creator. As a matter of fact, we believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Genesis 1, 26 lets us know. God said, let us, plural, make man in our Image, plural, after our likeness. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, there's God the Holy Ghost. Went in the very beginning of creation. You might say, when a preacher, how can you explain that? I can't explain that, but believe it, I do. I'm telling you, thank God for the Holy Spirit of God that will bear witness with us when the Word of God is preached and the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah, boy, God, you created all, you made it all, and boy, I'm praying that that convicting power will fall on somebody either in this auditorium today, somebody listening by way of the telephone, by way the Facebook, the live stream, the CD ministry, the radio ministry. Somebody needs this message this morning. And you better make sure. You better open your spiritual eyes. You better cut out everything for the next little bit. You better listen to the still small voice of God because God wants to save somebody. God wants to help somebody this very hour. But there's three answers. You better be able to. Don't be like uh, the fool that said in his heart there is no God, the who, the where, and the what. Listen, you better know where you come from. That's question number one. Where did I come from? I believe this. There's atheists say, well, we don't believe in God. Don't even ever think about it. Don't, don't hand me that. Listen, the most, the most hardcore atheist, you can't tell me that that thought don't go through their mind at some point or the other. It might be laying in a hospital bed and they're getting ready to leave out of here. But there's going to be a thought that goes through their mind. Where did I come from? Our textbooks. In our public schools that we pay taxes on, tells you that basically it comes from the Big Bang billions and billions and billions of years ago. Nothing became something. I mean, it takes more faith to believe in that garbage than to believe there was a creator. But that little seed of doubt that is plugged in, yeah, man. And then you hear the gospel preach, and that, and you think about the more. It, it, listen, it's not. This didn't happen overnight, by the way. Our country didn't get in the shape we are morally. Uh, we didn't decline or decay overnight, man. It's been a gradual, slippery slope. But you think about those seeds of doubt that are plugged in billions and billions and billions of years ago, when the Earth is probably about six thousand years old. Hey, Amen. You say, God in Bible. Well, think about this. When God made, you know, you know, it has something to do with reasoning. 
You know, God, God wants us to reason. As a matter of fact, God told his prophet, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 1, verse 8, he said, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow. Though they be red like crest, they should be as wool. God wants us to reason. God give us something in between these two ears, and it's called a brain. But it goes more than head knowledge. It's got to go down to the heart knowledge. But think about this. When God created man, and when he created everything, he created it aged. It's obvious. When Adam and Eve were created, Brother Ed, he didn't create a little baby to crawl on the ground. Why? No. He created a, a mature adult. A man. Just like the man. They said, well, no, wait a minute. Let's, let's go back to carbon dating. Who's going to disprove that? <laughs> Listen, science, some of that stuff is good and some of it is incredible because nobody can, can really prove that at all. When it goes back to carbon, well, 50 billion years ago. That, I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. Man wouldn't even hear that long ago. Amen. Think about the confusion that, that went on in the book of Genesis. Where did the different languages come from? Where did the different races come from? Genesis tells us at the Tower of Babel. When mankind said, we're going to build a tower up to heaven, God said, no, you ain't. And he confounded them, caused confusion. That's where your races come through. That's where your different uh, nationalities, your, your speech, all that can be found in the Word of God. But where did we come from? We were made in the image of Almighty God. Plain and simple. End of discussion. No debate whatsoever. God tells us, Genesis 1, verse 1. You, that's where you start. Somebody says, well, hey, preacher, I, I'm newly saved. Where do I start? I, most of the time I'll run you to the book of Genesis and also to the book of John. Both of those, I, I would parallel read those together. But you ought to start in Genesis. Because right there is the nutshell. Verse number 1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now that's crystal clear. In the beginning God created. Well how did he make us? Again I've used this, this statement and it's true. None of us, you know, God doesn't like for us to boast. Pride is one thing that God hates. We have nothing to boast about in our efforts and, and our, maybe our family. Listen, I'm, I'm thankful, and, I, and, I, and there's a good sense of pride, and there's a bad sense of pride, but at the end of the day, when you think about, you think about that old pride-filled heart, I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, I know, I know where I'm going now. We can trace all of our ancestors back to dirt. Now, you've heard me say that, but it's true. Genesis 2, verse number 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You can go out in this bean field or cornfield out here, you go out here to the side where there's not pavement, just scoop up a little bit of dirt and look at it. That's what God used to make me and you. How do you explain that? I don't have to explain that. That's what God did. And he breathed in the nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The book of Acts puts it this way. We live, we move, we have our being because of him. But you better be able to answer that question. Where did I come from? We, we come from God. We were made in his image, Genesis 1, 26. And as I said, a lot of folks say, well, you know, getting back to the abortion deal, that, that shouldn't be a hot topic. Every born-again child of God ought to be against abortion. Amen. Amen. It, it's murder. I don't care how you slice it. 
Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 5, this is what God told Jeremiah. He said, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations before he came forth out of the womb. God said, I know you. Every time that there's an abortion that is created, there's, there's an innocent life that has no voice. I preached years ago. I, was, I hadn't preached it here. I've used this example, and I've said it, but I preached in Wilkesboro years ago. You need to think about the world's most dangerous place. You say, man, that's got to be over there in, in Gaza. It's got to be over there in Afghanistan. It's got to be in Iraq. No, the most dangerous place to be is in a mother's womb in the United States of America. Hey, man, you chew on that a minute. The world's most dangerous place is to be in a mother's womb in the United States of America when they have the right to abort that God-given life that God has created. Now We've got awful quiet in here, and I understand a lot of the church folk today that say they're saved, they don't support that anymore. It's sad, and it's tragic. And it's a shame. It really is. And it's a reproach to the name of God. Where do we come from? We were made in the image of Almighty God. The psalmist put it this way, and I'll move on, Brother Ed. Psalm 139 and verse number 14, the psalmist said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know what? There's a lot of folks that do a lot of bullying, and I understand a lot of our kids have to put up a lot of that stuff, and some of it's social media bullying, some of it's just verbal. Uh, but listen, as a child of God, man, you need to understand all of us are made different. We're made, we're fearfully, we're wonderfully made. Listen, people may make fun of you, but boy, I thank God that God looked down at us and He made us the way we are. Some of us short, some of us tall, some of us rounder than others. Some of us can run a little faster than others. Hey, listen, some of us got more higher, some of us got less higher than others. Some of us got blue eyes, some of us got green eyes, some of us got different skin. But I'm glad to report to you today that we got one fundamental thing together we got one common denominator we were made in the image of almighty God nobody should ever feel second class nobody should ever feel looked down on because thank God at the end of the day God looked down at us he picked up a, a, a grounded dust and he created man in his image where did I come from preacher we were made in the image of almighty God now number two why am I here you ever thought about that sure you have some point or the other, you're going to have a, it might be a midlife crisis. It might be 16, 17 years old. I've never understood that. Man, a lot of times you push and I, I get it. There's some folks that know what they're going to do at 16 years old. But there's a lot of immature immaturity at 16 years old. I mean, really. Say, so, yeah, I'm going to be, I want to be a doctor. I want to be this, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of times what they'll do when they go into college, they say, hmm, I don't want to do that. Why? Because it, it, it's that age. But you'll get to that point in your life why am I here? Or where did I come from? God answers that. We were made in the engine. Now the fool will say in his heart, there is no God. But I'm here to tell you on authority of the Word of God. And just look around at creation, man. God's done pulled out that paintbrush this time of year. He's painted all the leaves. We're in those seasons. And God's the one that made those seasons. Where we come from? We came from God. Why am I here? What's, that? What's my purpose? What's your purpose? Well, I'm just going to I'm gonna find me a spouse, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have kids, I'm going to have a house, I'm going to get a car, I'm going to get a good job, I'm going to save some money, I'm going to live a little, I'm going to have fun, and then I'm going to die. A lot of folks have got that mentality. That's what I'm going to do. Folks, it runs a lot deeper than that. Whether you're 12, whether you're 25, or whether you're 80, 
You need to be able to answer, why am I here? Where did I come from? You came from God. God made us. But why are you here? I often go back to what Paul told the church in Rome, Romans chapter number 12. And he said, I beseech, verse number 1, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. One of the principles of, or one of the primary reasons we're here is to present our bodies a living sacrifice for the Lord. Now that flies in the ways of, of our culture. In our culture today, it's all about me. What can I get out of this? What can I get out of this? What can I get out of this? But listen, we're here. God made us. We came from Him. Why am I here? We're to present our bodies a living sight. Everything I have, Brother Ed, my health, my strength, my, uh, the reason I can hear and I can talk and I can see and I can feel and I can move and I can eat and I can breathe, all those things and I can function and I have those capacities that God given me is because of Him. And I'm here to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus. Do I do that on a daily basis? No. I, I wish I could say, yes, I do every hour. I strive to before my feet hit the floor. I want to be a blessing to somebody along the way during that day to try to, to bear the image of the one that I was created in. That is the reason we're here. Oftentimes we use that verse and, and we, we, we talk about to share the gospel to people. And it is true, Ephesians 2 and verse number 8. First it says, well, man, how in the world can I be saved? The Bible's pretty clear. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 said, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. All of us ought to say, thank God. The reason I'm saved is because of grace. God's unmerited favor. I didn't deserve it, but boy, Jesus died on the cross, and he extended that offer to me. Although I was dead in trespassing sins, he offered that to me, and then I called on the name of the Lord, and instantaneously, it wasn't a process, but instantly, when I realized my lost condition, the choir just sung about, I'm glad I got lost so I could be uh, saved, Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man come to seek and to save that which was lost. I realized that one day, and I called on the name of the Lord, and by grace I was saved. But a lot of times folks look at that, and they'll, they'll leave off the next verse. Don't leave off verse number 10 of Ephesians 2. Sure, for by grace are you saved by faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But listen to verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, Unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk. Walk is directional. Walk in them. You see, God saves us. That's the number one deal. If you're here today and you've never been born again, never been saved, you don't know Christ, that's your number one thing. You ought to get settled today and get saved. But once you get saved, we're to be his workmanship. Think about this. You, you go to, sit to a carpenter's and you see a carpenter working. Most of them's got a tool belt. Man, they got all kinds of things on. They got to take measures and and they got measuring things and they got pins and they got nails. They got screws. They might even have a power drill, maybe a hammer. Hey, they got all kinds of tools to accomplish the work that is before them. Well, listen, God may want me to be a tape measure. God may want me to be a hammer. I don't know. That might be a bad example, but He may want me to. He, but you see, we we ought to be. Whatever God wants us to be that fits into his tool belt. That's why we're here. 
He talks about Matthew 5, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. That's what we're, we're to make a positive impact. And by the way, we all, and I, you know this, many of you have been here a long time, you know what's right, but we learn by repetition, all of us are making an impact. Every one of us in here right now, I'm making an impact on those closest to me and those around me in my environment. You're making an impact on those closest to you and in your environment, whether it's in a work setting, whether it's in a home setting, wherever, a grocery store. We're making an impact wherever we go. Now, the question is, is it a positive one or is it a negative one? Well, where did I come from, preacher? We were made in the image of God. Why am I here? We're here to bear the image of the Lord Jesus. We're to be His workmanship. We're to provide our, uh, present our bodies a living sacrifice. So how, that's why the Lord said, hey, take up your cross. A cross has to do with death. Take up your cross, not weekly or monthly, but daily. Daily. Provide your body a living sacrifice. Where did I come from? Well, we came, we were made in the image of God. Why am I here? We're here to present those bodies a living sacrifice. We're here to be His uh, a tool in the tool belt of God, to be His workmanship. But where am I going? That's a question you better be able to answer. With all the increase in knowledge, the psalmist said in Psalm 14, one, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. There's many that still say that today. Because say, where did we come from? Well, we, were, we, just, we just come from an amoeba that crawled up out of a pool of slime one day over billions of years ago and turned and evolved into, I mean, come on, man. We were made in the image of God. Why am I here? We're here to bear the image of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but where am I going? It's a good question. You better be able to know. A lot of folks say, and listen, I've witnessed the folks, folks, the families that are sitting in this building right now, I've witnessed to them. So, hey, man, do you know where you're going? Oh, I'm just going out to the graveyard. That's going to be it. I'm just going to cease to exist. A lot of folks, and that's the mentality of Psalm 14.1. The Psalm 14.1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Did you know there's no, now, now don't misunderstand what I'm saying, Brother Ed, did you know there's no unbelievers in hell today? No unbelievers in hell. There's a lot of folks that said, man, I don't believe in hell. But when they closed their eyes in death over here, they rejected Jesus Christ, they became a believer. But it was too late. Where are you going? It depends on what you do with the Lord Jesus Listen, I'm thankful, and the Word of God gives us comfort. It brings conviction as well, brings chastise. But Hebrews 9, 27 still said, And as it is appointed to me, wants to die. But after this is judgment, we all going to face that appointment one day. There may be an appointment. Brother Mac, that comes on the horizon. Maybe you got a doctor's appointment. Maybe you got an appointment. you got to go somewhere else to get your hair done. Or, or well, I, I could you. You might not. I, I guess you do get your hair done. But anyhow, whatever, you might have an appointment that you're going to miss. But there's one appointment you're not going to miss. We've got a date with death. One of these days, God's going to dial our number. One of these days, He's going to draw our card. We're leaving out here, and it's a proven fact. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse number 2 said, There's a time to be born, and there's a time to die. You better mark that down. It's coming. But thank God for the comforting words of those that know Christ as Savior. Listen, uh, we shouldn't be sorrowful when, when, when it does come our way or to our family. I know there's a separation where we won't see loved ones, but thank God they knew the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 3, we are confident. I was saying, we'll rather be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Instantaneously, man, when a child of God closes their eyes in death, you go to be in the presence of the Lord. No more suffering, no more pain, no more heartache, no more problems of this life to the child of God. That's where a Christian is going. You know Christ, that's where you're going. 
Preacher, I got a lot of aches. I got a lot of heartaches. I got a lot of worries. I got a lot of concerns. Hey, this is as bad as it's going to get down here. Because, friend, you know Christ. It's going to get better. Amen. Close your eyes and hear. That's where you're going if you know Christ. Well, preacher, what if I, you know, I heard what you said, and I heard you say that Jesus is the only way to heaven, and Jesus died for me. But what if I, what if I choose to reject that message of salvation? I just choose my own path. Well, the Bible's pretty clear. Yes, there's a heaven to gain for those that know Jesus Christ. It's not based on your good works. It's not based on your good deeds. It's not based on your membership, your baptism. It's not based on any of that. You're tithing. It's based on the personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. If you reject that, there is a hell. Amen. We don't like to talk about that. It's not popular. But it's a fact, it's a reality. There's two destinations. Jesus said, Matthew 7, verse 13, In the end of the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in there, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You better choose the road less traveled. Because Jesus said there's a few heading down that, that narrow way. If that's the true, and it is, the Word of God is true, the majority of the people around us, they're on that broad road that goes to destruction. And it is a place called hell. Revelation 20, and I'm about done. Revelation 20, verse number 14, said, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I thought about when Sister Maddie was singing that song a while ago. Of that song, you know, thank God for that day that I got saved. I know my name is written down in the book of life. Do you know your name is written down? If it's not written down, friend, you're not prepared for eternity. Now, when I'm talking about getting that name written down, I'm talking about that time in your life when you receive Jesus Christ as Savior. You go through life and you never uh, trust Christ as Savior, never turn from that sin to the Savior. Man, you're going to open your eyes in hell just like the rich man did in Luke 16. Revelation 21 and verse number 8 said, But the fearful... And unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and all, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation 21 verse 27 says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. You know what I believe, and I, I believe I could prove this to you, you know what color it's going to be written in? It's going to be written in red. <laughs> the blood of Jesus. That's how we get our name, the Lamb's Book of Life. But you know what the fool said? And there's a lot of folks today, again, people running to and fro, knowledge increasing. Man, they can tell you everything about a phone. They can tell you everything about an iPad. They can tell you everything about a computer. They can't tell you a thing about God. Amen. And the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I hope that's not you. You better be able to say, hey, man, where did I come from? Yeah, we were made in the image of God. Why am I here? You know what? Boy, it really ain't about me, is it, preacher? No, it's not about you. It's not about your kids. It's not about your grand. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to be his workmanship. That's why we're here. We're, we're not just to be here just to take up space. God made us in His image to bear His image unto a lost world. We're to be that light that shines to a lost world, to make that positive difference and have compassion on those around us. But where am I going? Well, that depends on what you do with Jesus. 
There's not many ways to heaven. Sister Savannah's coming. There's one way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man, that's an absolute, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want to go to heaven one day, you've got to trust Christ. Preacher, what must I do to be saved? That question was asked. It's not difficult. It's not complicated at all. Acts 16, the Philippian jailer said, verse 30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Jesus died for you. He was buried. He rose again. Well, preacher, I just don't believe that. Well, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meat service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message 
was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, you believe Jesus died for your sins and if you asked him to save you then the Bible declares you've been saved if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior then you've been forgiven of all your sin Romans 8 1 declares there is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit once a person has been saved they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.